This episode of That's What G Said podcast is brought to you by CindyCarava.com. Visit CindyCarava.com for all of your real estate needs. And SarahCandles.com. Use the promo code G-I-N-O at the website SarahCandles.com and get 10% off your entire purchase. You'll hear more about those sponsors later on That's What G Said. This episode, we're going to touch quickly on the NBA, some of the... uh, the major stories bouncing around the league. We'll go through NFL Week 12, preview the games, and give you our best bets for the week, and some Delmar Sunday, a couple best plays for Delmar Sunday. We're going to talk a little bit about the TV show on Apple Plus, The Morning Show, and we'll close out with the WWE Survivor Series quick preview. Let's get right on into That's What G Said. Recording this one late night uh, Friday. November the 22nd into Saturday, November the 23rd. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. We're going to do our best to get through this episode quickly. I always say that, but we just end up uh, getting into so many different topics. Generally doesn't work out that way, but let's jump right into the NBA. And another another good night for both of the L.A. teams. Got to start uh, at the top with the Lakers. Who have the best record in the NBA right now, thirteen and two? They've had a pretty soft schedule as of late, but they're starting a four-game road trip. They were able to to get a victory over OKC on a back-to-back. And some of the numbers that I'll, I'm gonna, as far as the like points and assists, some of the numbers might not be up to date if there was a Friday game for some of these teams because they they haven't quite um, re-updated yet, but. I mean, you're having LeBron average over 11 assists a game. Davis is 20 over 25 points, nine rebounds, over uh, about a steal and a half, and over three blocks. And you're getting, you know, good minutes from if you combine Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee, you put the two of them into just, you know, their per 36 minutes, you're getting just under 14 points a game, over 13 and a half rebounds a game, a couple assists, a steal, and three blocks. That's all you could ask for, and then they're getting great contributions from the role players. You know, it'll be it was Avery Bradley was playing well for a while. He's been banged up. Then it was uh, Danny Green has his games where he kind of picks and chooses his spots. And did you just see uh, Contavious Caldwell Pope, who you know he, he gets ripped quite a bit, and he was very bad to start the season. He's actually had a, a pretty good uh, last few games, so he he's been playing pretty well. Caruso's coming in playing some good minutes on defense, so. Key for them, for the Lakers, will be getting into December once the schedule gets a little tougher. The schedule for the Lakers and the Clippers is going to get tough in December, and then it'll kind of soften up a little bit after the new year. And the Clippers have looked really good when they've had a full team. We've seen in the last couple of games, they were able to squeak out a couple wins where they didn't even really look that good. Um, these were And these are two wins that they've had in the last couple of games, first against Boston and then against Houston where the these are two wins that could be huge at the end of the season as far as where the Clippers are going to fall in the pecking order for the playoffs. I know they're not quite worried about a lot of these early season wins, but at the end of the year when you're trying to get yourself just a, an easier spot or you know not having to face as tough of teams or maybe go on the road as many times, I'm sure they like any team would like to to have a just a better setup. But with Kawhi with PG, I mean if what we saw in the Boston game from the Clippers, if they're getting like anything on the offensive end from Pat Beverly, they're going to be really tough. I think 
they could, you know, every team, the Lakers obviously have some of their have weaknesses, some weaknesses, right? I think the Lakers probably need, uh, especially not right now with Avery Bradley out, they might need a little help from another guard, and they probably need a, some wing depth, whether it be in a buyout or a trade. They probably don't have a lot to trade, but maybe uh, some kind of a buyout. The rumors are obviously Andre Iguodala. I would love to see that happen for the Lakers, but I don't, I don't envision any, the rest of the league making it easy and just saying, "Oh, here you go, uh, Lakers, you, you get Iguodala." The Clippers, it's kind of funny because if you look at the Clippers and the Lakers, the, like the Lakers could really use a guy like, uh, like a Mo Harkless, even just another wing, someone to help defend wings, and just a, like another wing type player, and the Clippers could. Maybe you could really use like another big man, just like a backup big man, someone to help play some defense if they had the Clippers were to run into the Lakers in a series or a team like, you know, the 76ers in the series, just a team that has the option to go big. That's where the the Clippers could get hurt. And vice versa for the Lakers, where they could get hurt is if teams try to go really small on them. If, you know, if you have AD as the five, um, that's fine. You have LeBron in the mix there too. But do you have enough wings to guard a team like the Clippers if they're going to roll out, you know, a PG and a Kawhi lineup? And uh, you know they they could give you they could have a lot of options there. So it's funny they just seem like uh, that's why that if we, if we get to get a Clipper Lakers series it would be fun because it would it'd be a, a quite a chess match between the two of them. In my opinion, these are the two best teams in basketball, and I I think. In the East, I, I want to see a little bit more from from Philly. I think Philly and Milwaukee are still the two for me. Um, as far as the East is concerned, Milwaukee's a quietly 12-3, and three, and Giannis is averaging 30, over 30, 14 win rebounds, 6.5 assists plus, uh, over a steal and a half, and just under a block and a half. Have to mention Luka Doncic and how good he's been. The Mavs are 10-5. and five. Luca's almost at 30 points a game, over 10.5 rebounds, over 9 assists, and uh, 1.4 steals. He's in the MVP conversation, triple-doubling it up. Seems like night in and night out, basically averaging a triple-double here. Toronto playing really well. Siakam's taking that next step, continues to impress. 25-plus points a game, 8-plus rebounds, 4 assists. How about Van Fleet, who's up to 17-plus points and 7.5 assists and just under 2 steals a game? And they're not even getting like good minutes from Gasol. Uh, Ibaka's been hurt. Lowry's been hurt. This is a really deep, good Toronto team who beat the Lakers um, on the road. And they, they would, they're going to be a very tough out in the East playoffs. The Heat. Very well coached Heat team that is just a well run organization. You know, you have Butler and then a lot of youngsters there with Nuns playing well, Tyler Hero, Bam Adebayo, and Spolster just continues to do a great job with the Heat. Boston's not far off. They're 11 and 4. They had a couple tough losses uh, out west recently. They have uh, Gordon Hayward out, and they had a, a little bit of a scare with Kemba on Friday night. It looked like what thought looked like to be a neck head injury. I don't want to say just a concussion, but it, he, I it, it don't think it was quite as bad as it initially looked. Warriors have just been decimated by injury. They are the worst team in the league right now. They're three and fourteen. And the question we have: uh, the Spurs are they done? You know, when when you looked in the Western Conference 
and you were kind of mapping out the playoffs this year, a lot of people thought the West was going to be really, really tough and really, really deep. And the reason why is because people, everybody, including me, we all looked at the Warriors team and figured they would be a playoff team at least, even without KD. You know, you still have Curry and they brought in D'Angelo and Draymond Green. People assumed they would at least be in the playoff mix. The Spurs have lost eight in a row. They're now five and 11. They have a terrible defense. Are they done? And Portland, they're 5-11. and 11. They've played the last couple of games without Lilliard. They picked up Carmelo, who's played a couple of games, scored a 10-18 and 18 in his two. they got to be careful before uh, – I know it's still early. We're only talking about 15 games, 16 games for a lot of these teams. But you don't want to get too far back. And so I think you look at those teams who haven't quite been playing as well and then a couple of teams that have started to play well after some slow starts, Pelicans – and Brandon Ingram. Unfortunately, people uh, have said, "Oh, Brandon Ingram. This wasn't the Brandon Ingram on the Lakers." Well, yeah, it, it was the Brandon Ingram on the Lakers. A lot of people just hate the Lakers, don't watch, and uh, don't really pay attention to how good these players are when they're on the Lakers and they leave, and all of a sudden they become the greatest. It's happened with D'Angelo. It's happened with Julius Randle. Now it's happening with. Uh, you know, with Ingram and, and Josh Hart. Ingram's pre-Laker, or in- Ingram's pre-Pelican, like end of the Laker run, this is from Mike Trudell. After the All-Star break last year, it, it was just a six-game sample, not not huge, but he was taking the next step. 27.8 points per game, 7.5 rebounds per game, 2.5 assists. Ingram this season in 11 games, 25.6 points per game, 7.4 rebounds, 4.1. He started being aggressive, playing his own game last February, then he got hurt, healthy again. This is not a surprise. We all expected this as Laker fans. Brandon Ingram was very good. He took the next step. <laughs> Those who said he wasn't were probably just not quite paying attention to the Laker games. And Sacramento's playing well. And, you know, Sacramento started 0-5. Since then, they've been 6-2. and They have wins over Utah New York. They lost at Toronto by 4, and they lost to the Lakers by 2. They beat Atlanta. They beat Portland. They beat Boston. They beat Phoenix. They are 4th in the NBA in 3-point percentage. Buddy Heald, Bogdanovich, Bielitsa, and Barnes are all shooting over 37%. They're feisty, and maybe Luke Walton's figuring them out. On to the NFL. So week 11, there weren't a lot of good games in week 11. We saw a lot of blowouts. That Browns fiasco, too, with uh, with Miles Garrett. We, that topic's been discussed quite a bit. But the Browns beat up the Steelers. Uh, Cowboys-Lions game was sort of, was sort of tight late. Uh, Lions had a shot. It felt like the Cowboys were always in control for the most part there. The Colts beat up the Jags. The Bills beat up the Dolphins. The Vikings were down... By 20 points at halftime, and it was the last 99 teams to be down 20-plus points at halftime have lost over the last five years. So now teams that have been down at halftime by 90, uh, teams that have been down at halftime by 20-plus points are 1-99. 1-99. Because the Vikings came back and beat the Broncos. Saints beat up the Bucks, Jets beat up the Redskins, Falcons beat up the Panthers, Ravens crushed the Texans, 49ers with a unbelievable late comeback to, to win by 10. They looked, they didn't look 49ers like throughout most of their game. 
and they got a tough one coming up this week. Uh, the Raiders had to squeak by the Bengals. The Patriots came back to beat the Eagles. Uh, and the Rams and the Bears played in an ugly one. And the Chargers, like they somehow do, they found a way to lose. The Chargers have had seven losses this year by seven points or less. This is the first time since 2015 a team has lost seven of its first 11 by seven points or less. Four Phillip Rivers interceptions. They had more. The Chargers had more first downs, total plays, total yards, yards per play, time of possession. Rivers cost them the game in their loss. So before we get into this week's NFL plays, let's go back. Last time that we talked was week 10. Didn't have any plays last week. Didn't do a show last week. In Heading into week 10, we were 29 and 25 overall. We had seven plays that week. We went five and two. Tennessee plus six and a half against Kansas City was a win. Bears minus two and a half against the Lions was a win. Browns minus two and a half against the Bills was a win. Packers minus five against the Panthers was a win. Seattle plus six and a half against San Fran was a win. Two losses were the Rams minus three and a half at Pitt and Tampa minus four and a half against the Cards. Now 34 and 27 heading into this week's plays. For we Get into these specific plays. I want to let you know about one of the sponsors of That's What She Said podcast. And this one, if you go right now, download the Thrive Fantasy app. It's an app that's a daily fantasy app, but the daily fantasy is not like your normal salary cap. It's based around prop bets. So if you like to bet and you're always interested in looking at props, this app is for you. I can give you a little bonus right now. If you go and you download, if you download the app, you deposit ten bucks, you'll get a ten dollar bonus credit. But you have to use the promo code Gino G I N O. So you put in ten bucks, you'll end up with twenty. I get a little piece of that anytime you deposit and you use the promo code G I N O. When you get that bonus, I get a little chunk too. So you'll get ten bucks right back. I get a little share of the pie. Check out ThriveFantasy.com or go download the app, Thrive Fantasy app. If you have any questions, let me know. NFL Week 12. Buffalo minus four against Denver. Denver just had some brutal losses. Over-under in this game is 37. They've had some tough losses this year. I don't like the fact that this has moved down uh, a little bit the Denver way. The money is on the Denver side. Buffalo is not that great. They have a good defense. I'm leaning Denver in here. It's not I I'm going to have 6 games this week that I'm going to play. There were two that I looked at. Denver, I don't if you can get over plus 3 and a half, I'm okay with it, but I'm not going to make it one of my plays this week. Atlanta minus the 4 against Tampa over under in this game is 51 and a half. Kind of feel the same in this one. I'll, I'll make Tampa plus 4. I'll be okay with that one. Not going to make it one of my official plays in the in this one though. Atlanta's actually played pretty well as of late. This is the kind of the spot that I like Tampa in though when they're not a favorite. We've played Tampa. They're just tough to trust as a as a chalk with Jameis, but as an underdog, they're capable of kind of going in and competing and, and beating anyone with their offense. So I would lean Tampa in, in, on this one. First play is going to be Philadelphia minus one against Seattle. Seattle coming off the win against. Um, uh, San Fran a couple weeks back Big win for them And I think Seattle Is Not quite as good as a team As as they look and as their record Would, would suggest It's a lot of Russell Wilson It's a lot of Wilson carrying them I'm not sure if I really like this spot for Seattle uh, Philadelphia really Looked like they had 
New England last week, and then they were so bad late. I like when teams play bad on these national games. Everybody sees them. It's it's even more prevalent when it's on like a national TV game. And so you'll notice a couple of the teams that I didn't play that great in the national TV spots. I'll be playing this week. Philly's one of them. They lost, and we're gonna go Philly minus the one against Seattle as the first play. Bears. Minus six against the Giants. Over under in this game is 40 and a half. I'm staying away. I don't think the Bears should be favored by this much. I would lean to the Giants side, but this is not going to be a play for me here. Saints minus 10 against the Panthers. Over under 47. You know, the Panthers have really struggled as of late, and the Saints, they're quietly really good. They're just a really good team in a pretty deep NFC. Not going to be a play for me in here. How about the Browns as a 10.5 point favorite against Miami? Over under in this game is 45.5. I've been a kind of a, a backer of the Browns a lot this year, someone who sticks up for the Browns quite a bit. I just, that's way too much for the Browns to be favored over by anyone. Not going to be a play for me because I just can't really back Miami in the spot. I would lean Miami though if I had to. Pitt minus six and a half at Cincy. If you can get seven, I'd really like to get seven with Cincy. I'm fine with anything over six with Cincy. This is going to be a huge game for them. They're at home. They have not won. Divisional rival. They are going to do everything they can to win this game. I expect Cincy to play very, very well in here. Cincy is going to be one of my plays this week. Play number two, Cincy. Look for plus seven against Pitt. The Raiders minus three at the Jets. I'm going with the Jets here, plus the three at home. Raiders kind of feeling themselves right now. Um, They got a big game coming up next week against Kansas City. That could be for the division. They got to travel here and go play the Jets. A Jets team that's defense has been playing very, very well the last few weeks. I like the Jets in here, plus the three. Lions are minus three and a half at the Redskins, over under 40 and a half in that one. This is a stay away for me. Uh, I can't imagine I'm going to watch a whole lot of this game live on Sunday. This will probably be one I'm going to have to be uh, taking in on the rewatch next week. Titans minus three and a half versus the Jags. To me, that extra half is the key. At you know two and a half or three, I wouldn't play this game. But at three and a half, I'd lean towards the Jags in here, plus the three and a half at the Titans. These are the games that I play against the Titans when they're favored and they look like they're supposed to win at home. They're a team I always like to play more as an underdog or off of a really bad week. Patriots are a six and a half point favorite against the Cowboys. There's been some rumbling about Brady being banged up and possibly not playing in this game. If you could get it up to plus seven with the Cowboys, I'd take it. Six and a half, it's a stay away for me, although I do lean Cowboys, and I think the Cowboys could beat the Patriots here. As we've seen, the Pats' defense are, is is good. Uh, offensively, they've, you know, they've been very inconsistent throughout the year, and they have not looked great. And Brady was very upset even after the win last week. 49ers minus three and a half against the Packers. Let me preface this with saying I think the 49ers are the better team. Friend out there of the show, Stan Ware, who big 49ers fan, and he was all over the 49ers having a monster year this year. And so um, I'm always going to take a little guff from Stan when the 49ers win because he was right on them. To me, the reason why I'm going to play against the 49ers in this spot is because of the injuries. I think they're really banged up, and that could uh, that could be a major issue for them. Too many injuries for a team having to play against an Aaron Rodgers Green Bay team that 
is very well rounded. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna play Green Bay in here because this is just a depleted, depleted San Francisco team. Uh, we don't know what we're gonna get from any of their pass catchers. Their m- major offensive line with Staley out and with Ford out also. To me, that's just too much for this 49ers team to have to overcome. Very, very good team. Not a, I don't like this spot for them with, with the injuries that they have, they're have. they dealing with. And then the Ravens are minus 3.5 at the Rams. The Ravens have looked so good again. I think the Rams figured something out last week, and the 3.5 is the key. I could see this being a close game. We saw the Rams again not look great in a national game against the Bears last week. Just expecting the Rams to run the ball with Gurley. I think that was the key for them last week. Defensively, they've been a little bit better than you would expect that they've been just like looking, you know, looking at their results. When you look and you dive into the numbers a little bit, their defense has been really good. It's been the offense that struggled and and maybe the Ravens just continue, can outscore them and the Rams can't go go with them, you know, up and down the field. I'm going to go Rams plus a three and a half in here. So we're going to have six plays this week. Philly minus one against Seattle. Cincy, look around for plus seven. I'm fine with anything over plus six against Pittsburgh. The Jets plus the three against the Raiders. The Jags plus the three and a half at the Titans. The Packers plus the three and a half at the 49ers. The Rams plus the three and a half versus the Ravens. And then the two other games I looked at won't make them part of the plays, but I, I would lean Denver plus the three and a half, and I would lean Tampa plus the four in those spots. So, Best of luck this week in your NFL plays. Let's get into some horse racing for Del Mar Sunday. Uh, before we do, want to mention one of the sponsors of That's What G Said podcast, CindyCarava.com, full-service realtor. I always like to mention uh, Cindy when I start to talk horse racing. As many of you know, Jack Carava, trainer here in the Southern California circuit, and Cindy is the wife of Jack Carava. I've known Cindy for a decade she can help you in anything you need in real estate, buying, selling, leasing. If you want to improve your home, she can connect you with the people you need to, to do so. You know, all sorts of vendors, gardeners, landscapers. Um, she can help you get pre-approved for a loan if need be. If you're just looking for some information on how much your home is worth, you want some market analysis, she can also do that for you covers all parts of the San Gabriel Valley, North San Diego County, Del Mar, Solana Beach, Rancho Santa Fe. You can find her on all sorts of social media, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Um, you can find reviews about her on Yelp and Zillow. If you have any questions at all, shoot her an email, cindyc.realtor at gmail.com. Let her know that that you heard about her on That's What G Said and tell Cindy we said hello. couple plays for Del Mar Sunday. Get your past performances out. November the 24th. There are three plays. The first one's going to be in race number one. And we're going to go to the seven smoothie. Last time out, bad stumble. Then was up to second to press, but was in chase mode. Was chasing a horse named Travieza who got the lead and was able to go wire to wire that day. Now... Smoothie's going to go second off the short break, slight turn back, first start off the claim for Miotti. I think this is going to be a really nice spot for Smoothie. Have a little more fitness today. 
anything over five to one, and make sure to well, bet to win, and make sure to use Smoothie in uh, all of your exotics. Then flip to the seventh race, the number six French Getaway. This was a horse who I liked quite a bit uh, a few years back. A horse who I thought was kind of like a triple crown derby prep contender type horse. Um, I thought would be involved in some of those races, and you can see he ran against some some pretty nice horses. For whatever reason, couldn't quite put it all together at that point. And he took a while. Like most recently, he had to drop down to get the wake-up win last time out. I like this horse, though, because I know that he can compete against better. His only poor race on the grass was when he was behind multiple grade one winner Beach Patrol. Otherwise, his turf form is excellent. He has one going a mile and a half. I think if you get around four to one on French Getaway... Must use in all of your exotics. You can hear Milo probably crying uh, in the background uh, as uh, as I record. I think he's uh, getting ready to uh, to eat. So <laughs> poor poor Stephanie in the other room taking care of Milo while I'm uh, recording and, and finishing up working here. Okay, let's close things out in the eighth race at Del Mar uh, with our third play of Sunday, the number one Ultimate Bango. His lone dirt race was in his debut, and it was a, a fine third. As far as the distance of this race is concerned, he has wins at five, five and a half, six and a half, and a mile. It feels like seven furlongs should be perfect for him. The rail concerns me a little bit, but he's pretty versatile with his running style. He could show multiple dimensions. Uh, I like the fact that his last three wins were against open company, facing Calbreds today. Look at the field that he hooked on September the 2nd. Couple starts back, he was behind two next out winners, Ronald R., who's won three in a row and just won the lure stakes last time out, and then Cleopatra Strike, who won the grade two John Henry next out. I like the one ultimate bingo in race number eight. So, three plays for Del Mar Sunday. First race, the number seven, Smoothie. Seventh race, the number six, French Getaway. Eighth race, the number one, ultimate bingo. Best of luck in all of your wagers. So I've been watching the morning show on Apple TV, the uh, the new streaming service. It's kind of like a soapy show. There's been six episodes so far. I gave you some thoughts on episodes one through five. It's basic based on you know the the Today Show, Matt Lauer. Um, it's Me Too. Steve Carell is kind of like the Matt Lauer figure who. Gets caught up in you know basically a, a Me Too scandal where he's been um, sleeping with a lot of different employees and co coworkers more so employees but these um, people who worked under him and for him and basically we starts with Mitch Kessler who's a Steve Carell character he's just been fired by the network over allegations of sexual misconduct and investigation it was leaked to the New York Times. Jennifer Aniston, Reith Witherspoon are in here. It's very like soapy. Reese Witherspoon's character is named Bradley Jackson. This is a reporter at a, a local news station, and she's kind of fiery. She's tough. We meet her, and we see her on a, basically a viral video where she's calling someone out at a protest, and. The show is it's I'm not gonna say it's like the greatest show, but it's one of it's one of those shows that's just entertaining. I enjoy watching it. Uh, I like the the major players in here. 
there there's just something to it that kind of con- makes me continue to watch it. So you get a you get a lot of um, references to things that are happening right now with you know Steve Carell and this caught up in this Me Too, and he seems he doesn't seem very frustrated because he doesn't think he did anything wrong. Feels like he's just kind of caught up in all the collateral damage. I love Billy Crudup's character. It's Corey Ellison. Billy Crudup is uh, the actor who is in Almost Famous, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. I think he does an incredible job in here. He he plays this kind of weird TV exec who's kind of creepy also. Jennifer Aniston is Alex Levy. The show's mainly about her. She's the head, the main news anchor, and her and Steve Carell have been partners for years, and now she has to deal with all of the the backlash after her partner has now been accused of all these allegations, and he's off the show. And now she is trying to find; uh, they're trying to find a new co-host to fill Steve Carell's seat, as this show has been struggling and the ratings have been going down anyway. So the network's kind of using this as maybe a way to uh, to kind of boost. A lagging show And What they end up doing Is bringing in Bradley Jackson To be the co-host So now we have uh, Aniston and Witherspoon working together And you know that's That's the gist of the show through Through the five episodes now We have Steve Carell dealing with the backlash Of kind of being a, a Scorned celebrity now who nobody Wants to touch even the Friends and people who are closest to him His family They want nothing to do with him anymore We see The morning show crew Trying to get the Bradley Jackson character Reese Witherspoon uh, Character ready To be an anchor They have to do this in just a few days And get her prepared to go on the air And be the uh, the co-anchor And the show is like real cor- like The show that the morning show, which they work for, is very corny. They don't do hard-hitting pieces. And that's the type of reporter that Reese Witherspoon has been. So it's kind of a change for her, and she has to be very very fluffy and very vanilla. And we, we get a, a moment where the, the women are introducing Bradley Jackson... And very quickly, she talks about having an abortion it, right on live TV. It, it gets very awkward, very uncomfortable. The show kind of bounces around quite a bit. And, you know, there's a lot of like, like Steve Carell doesn't have a whole, a whole hell of a lot to do in the show because he's not really in, in, in the inner workings of the, the network anymore. He's kind of on the outside. So it, you know, mixed mixed feelings for me. I, I like it. I'm going to continue to watch it. There are a lot of things that I kind of look at, look at, and, and scratch my head a little bit. Um, funny scene with Martin Short and Steve Carell where they're talking about like their two scorned, you know, former celebs who have gotten caught up in this, and then the uh, the fifth episode. There's six episodes out now. We'll wait and talk a little bit about the uh, the the sixth uh, and maybe the next few uh, over the next coming weeks. But just a weird duet. No one's gonna harm you, not while I'm around. In uh, in episode five. So if you haven't watched the show yet, give it a check. It's on uh, Apple TV. If you have, I'm curious to see what your thoughts, positive, negative, on the morning show. 
I'll uh, I'll continue to uh, to keep an eye on the show and I'll report back. Perfect time, holiday time. Looking around for some gifts, uh, something to get friends, family, significant others. I've got something for you, Sarah Candle Company. Visit sarahcandles.com. I'm a big candle guy myself. I know the the people at Sarah Candle Company. I've known them my entire life. Their goal was to create a candle 100% natural, clean burning, and of the highest quality that everyone can enjoy. Some of the reasons why they are the best. All natural soy wax, free from the toxins found in paraffin wax, which is used by other leading brands. All natural soy wax actually holds your scents better, and it burns up to 50% longer than the traditional paraffin wax candle. 100% lead-free, cotton wicks, completely natural scents. Made in micro batches, hand poured to ensure the highest quality. 100% locally sourced and handcrafted in the USA. They have 25 different scents available in three different sizes. Fragrance oils infused with natural essential oils. The best ingredients, quality packaging, affordable prices, longer burning. None of those toxins, carcinogens, or pollutants that are found in the paraffin wax. Like anything... You have to take good care of your candle, so they have instructions and details on how to keep your candle clean and ensure the perfect burn. Make sure to look on the bottom of your candle or on the website for instructions. You want to make sure to trim that wick, and you have to keep your candle, like always, in a safe spot. Created by people who love candles, they started out experimenting, trying to create the perfect candle, and that's blossomed in to Sarah Candle Company, C-E-R-A Candle Company website, sarahcandles.com. You use that promo code G-I-N-O, you get 10% off of your purchase. Promo code GINO for 10% off your purchase. The WWE has a big weekend coming up. Saturday night, it is NXT War Games pay-per-view. And then Sunday night, they have the Survivor Series. And uh, there's been a big invasion angle with the NXT wrestlers and uh taking over, quote-unquote, Raw and SmackDown. And and so I'm pretty excited for the Survivor Series card. We're going to have a women's elimination match with five NXT women versus five Raw women versus five SmackDown women, 15 in the match. NXT is going to have Rhea Ripley, Tony Storm, Mia Yim, Candice LeRae, and Tegan Knox. Really cool to see you know someone like Candice LeRae, who I've announced uh, a few times on the independent scene up on a WWE pay-per-view. You know, battling it out with Charlotte Flair, Natalia, Oscar, Kyrie Sane, and Sarah Logan as the Raw team and the SmackDown team: Sasha Banks, Carmella, Dana Brooke, Lacey Evans, and Nikki Cross. The will likely be a cruiserweight title match on the kickoff show. It looks like it's going to be Leo Rush versus Garza. I mean, that'll be a good match. There'll be a lot of good action there, and there's probably going to be another elimination match of some sort, maybe that with the tags or mid card. Act someone like uh, Gallows, Anderson, Street Profits, Humberto Carrillo, Cesaro, Lucha House Party, Rude Ziggler, the B team are not on this card. Heavy Machinery. The men's elimination match will be from Raw, Seth Rollins, Randy Orton, Kevin Owens, Drew McIntyre, and Ricochet. And then from SmackDown, Roman Reigns, Braun Strowman, King Baron Corbin, Mustafa Ali, and Shorty G, Chad Gable. We don't know the NXT team yet. We know that Adam Cole won't be on that team because he's going to be defending the NXT title at the WWE Survivor Series. He's going to face the winner of Killian Dane, Damian Priest, and Pete Dunne, who have a match at NXT Ward Games to determine who will face Adam Cole at Survivor Series. 
Men's tag is going to be the Viking Raiders versus the New Day versus the Undisputed Era. How about the men's mid-card triple threat? AJ Styles versus Nakamura versus Roderick Strong. So the U.S. champ versus the IC champ versus the North American champ. We have Becky Lynch versus Shayna Baszler versus Bayley in the women's champ triple threat. Brock Lesnar versus Rey Mysterio in a no DQ. And then The Fiend versus Daniel Bryan to close things out. On paper, this is an excellent, excellent card. So Sunday... Make sure to tune in WWE Survivor Series. We'll recap the show next week. As I mentioned, wanted to try to get this show in quick so we could just get you some plays for uh, the weekend, for Del Mar, for football, and uh, get a little a little NBA discussion in there as well as the uh, the WWE preview. Hope you enjoyed this episode of That's What G Said podcast. We'll be back next week with a couple episodes. And we'll continue to roll through this awesome time in the world of sports. We'll start talking some college basketball coming up soon. And we'll uh, we'll be bringing in some guests over the next few weeks. We haven't had too many guests as of late. It was kind of hard to set anything up over the last month or so with uh, not knowing um, as far as when Milo was going to come, playing it by ear. So now, as far as setting a schedule, things will be a little easier. So we'll start pumping in those guests again in the next uh, week or so here. Thanks again, folks. Joey, close it out.